Hey friend, really proud of this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Morgan Michael. Living in Victoria, Canada, Morgan is an educator, speaker, consultant, mom, soon-to-be author, and so much more. I couldn't be more happy that we became collaborators and friends during the podcast fellowship this summer, and then both served as coaches this autumn in round two of the Global Workshop. To learn more about the incredible podcast fellowship, please see Seth Godin's daily blog at seths.blog or Google Seth to find the blog and search Podcast Fellowship. Morgan is also the host and producer of Kindsight 101, a podcast for educational leaders to mobilize kindness. She has interviewed leaders like Seth Godin, New York Times bestselling authors, and so many others. To learn more about her podcast and other initiatives, please head over to her website, smallactbigimpact.com, smallact.com bigimpact.com. You also find more information about the 21 day kindness challenge that she created based on science. Morgan talks about how she's really been leaning into creativity and curiosity, which has been the backbone for her podcast and her book about homelessness. A truly inspiring and touching story shared here. With so much going on, Morgan is a true testament that you can always do and give just a little bit more to learn, connect, and make things better big or small, or both. I've thankfully seen and experienced it from her, and now you can hear it. Shout out to everyone in the podcast fellowship programs. Go, go, go. So tune in to build and grow your portfolio career. And as always, let me know what you think. Well, cool. Welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinski, is here with Morgan Michael. How are you doing, Morgan? I'm doing awesome, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh, it's a privilege to have you. So if we were to... Obviously, you're in Canada, I'm here in New York, but if we were to go to an event together tonight, how do you typically introduce yourself? Hmm, I was thinking about this question because I know it's it's something that you ask most of your guests, and I guess I would have a couple of different answers depending on where I was going and who the audience was. So as you know, I'm an educator, and I actually have a classroom of my own, so I do teach during the day. So I might introduce myself as an educator if I was around individuals who had an interest in the way that kids are are sort of being led through their school experience. I might also call myself a mom because that's also part of who I am. I have two young kids. One is two and one is four, and they keep me super, super busy. And I might call myself a wife. I might call myself a friend. But I think Mostly, I would probably introduce myself as a creative. I've recently really tuned in to the power of my own creativity in terms of how I feel really fulfilled when I am interpreting the world around me and creating something out of it. And some of those endeavors have have sort of turned into podcasting. So I have a podcast called Kindsight 101, which is geared toward educators and sort of pulling in this thread of kindness and how we can really truly see and hear and seek to understand one another. So that's a real passion of mine. So I identify with that role. And then also I've started an initiative, which is a nonprofit called Small Act Big Impact. And it's a 21 day kindness challenge that is geared toward educators, but also to small businesses or just the community in general. And it's really rooted in science and the idea that when we are being generous with one another in so many different ways, that 
we have the capacity to help people feel more fulfilled and happier. And so I feel really, really passionate about the creative projects that have come out of that. And and so just to give a little bit of context about your podcast, Content 101, it's how we connected through um, the Podcast Fellowship Program this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, a true privilege and honor to, to, to get connected with you and to learn mm-hmm. with you and from you. How did you... How did you get started with the podcast? Yeah. Oh, first of all, it's been a privilege for me to serve alongside you. We've been coaching together through the second round. I learned so much. You were one of the people that pushed me to make the podcast what it is now through your questioning, through your encouragement. I honestly, I don't know if the podcast would be the same without you. So thank you for that, first of all. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and what got me to that place? Oh, this is, I mean, the Coles Notes version. When my son was four months old, I went through a bit of a transformative period. I think I was, I was off work and I was home with both of my kids and I actually got sick with this, this bout of vertigo, which is essentially this, I don't know if you've ever had vertigo or if any of your guests have, but it's this feeling of being on, you know, a ship and the world is spinning and turning. And anyway, I ended up having to ask some of my family to step in to help me. And that was a really new thing for me. I am such an independent person, but the experience of of being sick and absolutely incapable of caring for my family for a week really caused me to sort of consider what it means to need help. And then in turn, what it means to offer help and to offer help without the judgment. So in order to accept help, to sort of accept kindness of others, you have to be willing to also provide it without that judgment piece. So that was a big learning curve for me. And it sort of sent me down this path of self-discovery, I guess. And I read a number of books, including Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last. And in that book, there was a part that jumped out at me that related to kindness and the neuroscience of it. And this idea that we are hardwired to connect with one another, to seek belonging and to be part of a tribe. And in order to sort of fulfill that and our own happiness, being kind, being there for one another is a really important piece. But the piece that was really interesting for me was this contagious aspect of it, is that when we are able to connect with other people in this really meaningful way, that it inspires other people to do the same and that within that context of generosity, we can change a culture to be more collaborative, to be more creative, to be more innovative. And science has proven that it kind of brings down the anxiety levels, the depression levels, and even that loneliness factor. And so that really excited me. And I I started thinking about, holy cow, how can I bring this into my practice as an educator? How can I bring this into my life as a, as a parent through my friendships in the different leadership things that I do throughout my district or in my city? And that's where the 21 day challenge came up. This idea that if we make kindness a habit through day after day practice, that we can actually change cultures. Just one person is able to create a culture of that collaboration. And we've seen that in in our fellowship, right? With uh, Seth Godin, we've seen how just a few positive people commenting and providing really generous feedback can change the way that people see one another and themselves and help them to become more creative. And after that, I sort of kept following the thread of this, this kindness and this, this neuroscience 
piece behind what really makes us feel fulfilled and happy. And I was thinking about different conduits for that message and the podcasting thing popped into my head. And I, you know, I'm a really big fan of podcasts and right at the same sort of, I think it was within the same week or so I was reading Seth Godin's blog because I subscribe, um, you know, daily. And there was this invitation to this podcasting fellowship and I was really, really interested. And it was this really it was a funny moment because I talked about it with my husband and I said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing this podcast. And he's like, are you sure this is, this is a pretty big endeavor. And I was thinking, yeah, it is a big thing. And so I sort of sat on the fence for about a week. And at one point I almost thought I wasn't going to do it. And I ended up saying, you know what? No, this is really important. I really feel pulled in this direction. And I think that whole intuition piece has become a really strong point for me. And so I signed up and here we are. I had sort of this idea of a podcast and the kind of interviews and the types of people that I'd like to, to interview. And, and there it is. It, it just kind of, it just kind of happened. And I think I had this nugget of an idea and then through the cohort and people like yourself, I was able to sort of tease out the most important pieces of it. And, and it is what it is today. And now it's a thriving 50 episode podcast. It is. Yeah. And I, I, you know, what's most surprising is I think this whole, you know, focus on your smallest viable audience piece that Seth talks about so much. And, you know, people like Marie Forleo and Tim Ferriss really focus on, I think I've seen that really bloom in terms of my own work. So it really started as this project that was, that was my own interest. And I think from that point, through the connections that I've had on social media, through Twitter, I've connected with some really incredible educators, individuals who create podcasts themselves, who have connected with the message, who share the podcast, who comment, who email me about it. And I think, oh, this really works. And I think that's the part that's been so surprising is it's real. You know, you just have to put one foot in front of the other, pull that thread that really interests you. And you may not have a really clear sense of where it will bring you, but undoubtedly, when you put your mind to something, you know, you have some really incredible effects from it, you know, and some really transformative moments. And so I just, I'm really enjoying this creative journey right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it was uh, great to, you know, kind of co-create my podcast uh, with you during the podcast fellowship um, over the summer, and then serve as a coach with you for round two. And I think for me, it was a great way to further like build out, you know, new skills and, and become a better listener, a better communicator, hopefully a better podcaster. Do you feel the same way in terms of now being a coach, being a podcaster? Do you see like these as multiple skills for your kind of career? Or how do you, how do you look at these different projects mm-hmm. in terms of your career and your work? Yeah, such a, such an interesting question, because I think behind it is this this driving force, which is this desire to connect with people and then also to inspire other people to do the same. I think that's what has always driven me. When I think back, ironically, to my grade 11th year, I was running these huge, I guess, almost like like youth conferences, you know, with like 50, 60 they were girls only at this point, you know, it was it was really a girl focused one. But it was on empowerment. It was on confidence. It was on 
you know, live your best life. And I think, oh, when I look back to that, this constant thread has been running through my life. And I think tapping into that and then allowing allowing things to unfold as they do for opportunities to arise and then being prepared has been huge. So within the context of that desire to connect with people and to help other people to connect with one another, I think that's really something that that drives me. I've been able to, you know, do this podcast. I've been able to do a lot of blogging, do lesson planning and lesson unit planning to connect with people as a presenter and as a speaker in my educational field. So presenting at conferences and sharing my ideas, which has been so much fun because, you know, you talk about this idea of tribes and you're able to find people connected to you on such a fundamental value-based level that you may not even have imagined existed. So that's been very, very exciting. I actually had another moment of, I call these the jump off the cliff moments, David, where (laughs) (laughs) kind of like the podcast, do I, don't I? And it's this idea of, you know, grasping and kind of saying, yeah, I can live here in this comfortable place or I can dive off the cliff, dive off the edge and choose courage instead and, and just embrace this moment that has zero certainty, but on the other side is likely something that will make me grow and something that will be interesting or at least fun, right? So I actually had this idea because, well, this is another story, but I wanted to write a book about homelessness because I think that that ties into this whole thread of let's see each other as human beings first, you know, from this empathic standpoint. I I've never written a book. I don't know what's involved in writing at this point. Didn't, didn't know the first thing about writing a book, but I I had this this little nugget of inspiration that made me want to write a book about it. Um, so I was early for a presentation downtown in Victoria, where I live, in uh, British Columbia, Canada, and we have. For our population, we have definitely, because of housing costs, we have a rising population in homelessness, as many fairly big cities do these days. And I remember driving, and I was about 30 minutes early for this presentation, and so I just found my car kind of being drawn to this park we call Beacon Hill Park, which is, you know, that people sleep there at night, and um, quite a transient population. So, Anyway, and it it was just amazing how many people were kind of rolling up their sleeping bags and coming out of the woodwork. And and I was just I was just really surprised by by how many people were were in this park. And I drove to the nearby grocery store. I don't know what possessed me to do it that day, but I grabbed a bunch of, you know, bagels and, you know, uh, peanut butter and knives to spread things. And I just had this big bag full of stuff. And I threw it into my passenger seat and I drove back into Beacon Hill Park. I had about 20 minutes left and everyone was gone. And I was like, where did all of these people go? And so I I did a couple of circles and loops of the park. And finally I stopped because right under this tree was a guy with, you know, this curly hair, kind of a mop of curly hair. And he was kind of dirty and he was rolling up a sleeping bag and parked the car. And I made sure it was clear and walked across and I had this bag swinging in my hand and I felt like a total, I don't know. I think I felt like an imposter. Mm. Like who am I to do this? What am I even doing? I felt like I was kind of hit by these roadblocks of first of all, not seeing the people and then finally seeing this, this person rolling up a sleeping bag. And anyway, I walked over to him and I just said, Hey, are you hungry? Do you, you know, do you want some food? And He looked up at me with a big smile and he said, I'm starving. I would love something to eat. And so I gave him the bag and 
in that moment, I was like, there is something familiar about this person. And I kind of shrugged it off and gave him the bag. And he said, I've got some friends and I'm going to go share it. And I said, okay. And I turned away. And just as I opened the car door, it hit me that I had actually gone to school with this individual. He was in one of my classes in high school. And we, you know, we're not, we weren't from Victoria. So this was a smaller town. And although I didn't know his name, I just, when I think back to my time in high school, I thought there's no way I would have anticipated that his fate would be as someone living on the streets. And so it really caused me to rethink, to question my assumptions about, you know, people who do live a homeless life and what their lives may have looked like before. And I thought this really fits that whole paradigm shift around the way that we see people. And so I did a lot of research and I thought there's, there's a lot that people don't know about homelessness. And yes, we see a lot of the, the homelessness, you know, it's quite visible, but there are a ton of people who live sort of in this hidden homeless population. So long story short, I ended up writing a book proposal and I sent it into this publisher, a local publisher, and just around sort of saying, I'd love to take some photos because I love photography too. I'd love to take some photos of individuals who'd be willing to share their stories and then use that kind of as a jump off to talk about these really important ideas around homelessness, how we get there, some of the underlying reasons for it. And then I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and so about, oh, probably about a month later, I received an email saying, we'd love to explore your idea. And I was floored. And I thought, okay, this is happening. <laughs> so, so I've been in the process of writing a book and, and it's geared at middle schoolers. It's about, it's about homelessness. And it's, it's really geared toward bringing out the stories of individuals who have unlikely stories of homelessness and, and sort of challenging those assumptions. So yeah, it's brought me this whole thing has brought me in many, many different directions. And it's been a lot of fun. That's uh, that's very special. And and when does the book come out, Morgan? Uh, it's coming out, I think, the fall of 2019. Okay, great. Yeah, I feel like I had a, a jump off the cliff moment uh, with the initial podcast fellowship and then coaching as well in the second round um, this fall. And uh, thankfully, I had uh, your support. So, so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. You were amazing. And then I'd love to talk a little bit more. That's, that's very kind of you. But I'd love to also talk a little bit more about Small Act, Big Impact in terms of, you know, kind of how it got started, how it's being utilized, you know, the people that you've been talking to about it. I've seen some of it being implemented into the school program and stuff. And um, some of the letters that I've seen from some of your students has been very uh, touching, but mm. I'd love to learn a little bit more about it from you and and kind of your vision for it. Yeah. So again, this this sort of came out of that whole, that whole self-discovery period and it's almost like, you know, you you open yourself creatively to these moments where you feel inspired and you find a conduit, right? So I, I started doing, and I, like thinking back to me in university and even high school, I was the anti-tech person. <laughs> like I literally wrote a history paper with a friend in exchange for him creating my website for this assignment that we had, right? So this whole idea of me stepping into tech is laughable. A year or two ago, I would have just, I, I, it would have seemed impossible. So this, this whole small act, big impact thing has been a very authentic 
really a journey of discovery for me in so many different aspects. I feel like I've been learning so much about myself, but also about mm. actual skills. So, so when I first started with the, the concept of the 21 day challenge, I was thinking about what would be the best way to teach this to students, to, to make this something that kids wanted to get involved with. And so I thought, well, a video would be really great. And I mean, I've never really created a video at this point. So I thought, okay, I really like whiteboard videos. So I, I learned how to make a whiteboard video and I created a launch video, which talked about the science in kid language. And it's about three minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. And that was kind of my first foray into, into packaging, if, if you will. This is a free program, but it's sort of packaging the, the idea of the 21 day challenge and using media to do that. And then I created a series of, of videos actually for the 21 day challenge for individuals who might want inspiration around what to do for every single day. So of course people don't have to do that, but it's kind of fun just to follow along if they want to. And so things like, you know, buying your friend a coffee, making food for your parents in the morning, uh, picking up litter, you know, going to the SPCA, the the animal shelter and, and petting the animals while they're waiting to be adopted, that sort of thing, really concrete ideas of how to be kind and just different examples. And so I have taken the idea through just through speaking, I've gone into schools, and I've launched the program and, and done individual lessons with individual classes, as well as with my own classes. And so it's been really great. And it's, you know, it's been really, really neat and has been seeing educators and individuals just in the community remix some of these ideas to make it work for themselves. And I think that's that's kind of what's so exciting about this open source market of ideas right now, this, this conceptual era, is that we all have these ideas and we all now have this access to express ourselves, you know, whether it's through Twitter or through YouTube or whatever it is. And people take those little nuggets of ideas and they make it their own. And I think that's what makes me so excited is it's, it's not even really just about my idea. It's about how are people harnessing the nugget to make it their own and then to inspire people within their classrooms or within their communities to make a really big difference and an impact in the world. And I think you know, Seth Godin talks about, are you, you know, asking this fundamental question of yourself every, every day, or even, you know, in a reflective time every month or so, and sort of saying, am I proud of the interactions that I've had? Am I proud of the trail that I'm leaving behind? And if people are able to make change like this their own, then I think the answer will be yes, I'm proud. I'm, I'm doing what I can to make my impact on the world. And I think that's fundamentally what Small Act Big Impact is about is, through your own passion and your own desire to interact with those about that that you care about, you can make an incredible difference in people's lives. You can change the way that they feel about themselves. You can change the way that they feel when they're with you. And I think so much of how we walk through our lives has to do with our intuitions and the way that we resonate and the way that we reflect on, on what's happening. And so to have that ability to connect with people and to touch them, to touch their lives is huge. And I think that's, that's really what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's really inspiring. And I mean, I, th I was watching and, and seeing it in the podcast fellowship in terms of just, you know, small acts of, of generosity and kindness that, you know, was really helpful to me and to so many other people. So um, thank you for that. And, and 
I guess one thing that I've been curious about though is like, is there a way that it can translate into, do you see this as a potential like consulting opportunity for, for corporations in terms of implementing, you know, kind of systems like this? And yeah, I mean, like for myself, do you mean, is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. 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 I think, I think again, it comes back to kind of yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm open to so many, so many different opportunities at this point. I'm not really in a position to limit, limit what this all looks like. It all feels so fresh and new. It's been about just under two years since all of this began. And even the podcasting has only been about six months or so. And so all of it feels like it's coming pretty fast and furious, which is exciting. And then I also think back to how, how do I create a sense of, and balance is certainly not an accurate word to choose because I think we all know that balance is sort of this, it, it's not real, <laughs> but it's this idea of maybe living in different seasons where I might be able to focus on different things at different times with different intensity. And so I think right now my main focus is the podcasting as a means of enrollment and building an audience that that really tunes into what I, what I care about. And then I think from there, the book is kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like a, like an entry point as well to a, to a number of different people. And then I think from there, if people feel connected and I I think within the education realm, for sure, we already see that, but I, I can see this going further in terms of, yeah, developing a system and and offering that in terms of the way that we interact with one another at work. I know so many people have done research around how lonely we feel, the kind of pressures and stress that we have. And that is, that's cortisol in our systems. And we have that in every, every working environment, you have a certain level of stress, but so much of effective leadership comes from that ability to lessen, lessen that really damaging level of stress and to make people feel as though they belong, they're worthy, they are valued. And so yeah, I think there's a lot of space for this. I think the more research neuroscience specifically that's coming out about, you know, the connection between creativity and feeling like someone belongs, you know, where where you're able to, you're really able to delve into tricky, risky, difficult, challenging ideas, because you know that, that you you are part of this group that will hold you up even if it doesn't work right and so i think that that this generosity the kindness piece has a huge huge part to play in terms of our you know social emotional wellness at work and i think that corporations definitely will see better results from people when they feel less stressed and so that's where i think this really fits but i haven't honestly in terms of corporations i haven't really gone that route yet but i'm i'm excited to look at that in the future absolutely yeah i think uh, there's an opportunity there yeah you also mentioned when you were introducing yourself you obviously said you're a mother of two how do you how do you think about developing and empowering um your your mm-hmm. kids in terms of their career i know they're foreign too but <laughs> you know um you know how do you think about the schooling and education that they uh, will be going through in terms of, you know, really making sure they're on the right kind of path or so to encourage creativity and stuff. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? I think, I think I've been really delving into that more than ever. And I think when you have kids, a lot of this research really becomes important and it, it, like in your heart, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's something that drives me. It's something that I sometimes stay up at night about thinking because I don't really want to 
to presume that I know what's best for my kids in terms of their career. And I think, as we know, we have so many different types of careers that we may move through within our own experiences. And so I really want to be open to that. And I think tapping into my kids' passions, what they naturally gravitate toward, coming from a strengths-based approach with them, really focusing on what they're good at and tuning into that, showing them some of the tools that they might want to use to communicate they're learning, they're understanding what they're passionate about. So I think about that in a concrete sense. When they have an experience that they connect with, maybe having them actually be exposed to some of the professionals, the experts who are, say, connected to that. So say if my daughter is really into dance, really delving in and learning about some of the primary, you know, dancers that that might be out there and their path and learning about and maybe even speaking to them on social media. I mean, we have all of these people at our fingertips and it's no longer the teacher who holds that knowledge. It's really about can we empower our kids to find the answers? And to do that, they kind of need to be able to ask the right questions. So I think my job as an educator and as a mom is helping my kids to tap into what is it that makes you come alive? What is it that makes you feel passionate? And I think that's for any human being, whether you're a you know, you're a grown up kid or or you're, you know, you're 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 a kid and tapping into what is it that drives you and and tuning into that and then finding a way to transform your experiences into creativity, you know, through creativity, through innovation. And so that might be making movies that might be, you know, making art that might be writing that might be being really good at math and expanding your mind and solving really interesting problems. It could be creating games. There's so many different ways that we can transform our experience from just this receptive place, which is what, Education really used to be right yeah. is is receive the information and then regurgitate, but really being able to transform that experience and create something with it. Because this is a this is really a time where creators are celebrated, and we're we're walking into this time right now where I think you're ahead if you can create something special and you're not worried about necessarily monetizing it, but you're you're trying to create good work. You're trying to create work that is based in this this passion, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as you, you know, a theme to your podcast is about mobilizing kindness. Is that, and you also talked about kind of inspiring others and empowering others. Is that, that's kind of like a motto or a theme to your, you know, portfolio career or your, you know, compilation of projects? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it's definitely something that, that drives me. I think that, you know, there's this Maya Angelou quote, which is that people will, people will ultimately forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel and butchering it a little bit. But that's essentially the, the crux of it, right? And so if you, if you are able to be the kind of leader, the kind of person who interacts with people, and when they, when they come away from the interactions, they're going, they're feeling pretty positive, or they're feeling empowered, or they're feeling inspired, I think that's a gift. And I think, the more that people can look at the world that way in terms of how can I serve other people to be their best selves? And I think about my own kids that way. I think about the students that I'm teaching. I think about the people that I interact with every day. If I can leave that trail and then inspire them to feel the same, that our world is a better place bit by bit, right? And even within a competitive market or within a competitive sort of corporate 
environment, there's still a place for that. There's still a place for idea sharing. There's still a place for that generosity, because if we can be brave enough, courageous enough to share those ideas that people will jump off of those and make even better ideas. Right. And isn't that what we're hoping for is for a better world overall. And so the zero sum game of, you know, I win and you lose. And I just think there's, we're sort of walking away from that now. It's really about how can we collaborate to make to make really great work or impactful work or things that make a big difference in the world. And I think in order to do that, we collaborate and we have to do so through generosity. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And uh, yeah, exactly. Like this podcast probably wouldn't have happened without um, you and so many other people's uh, help along the way. So thank you so much for that. And, and I guess one other question, as you think about you know, your work and the different mediums and outlets, you know, is there any other kind of project or anything else that you'd like to talk about? Oh, well, (laughs) I was thinking about that actually recently. And I mean, I, I haven't finished my book yet, so I'm still very much eye on the prize with that. And, and really, again, trying to focus on my family and, and sort of create this, this illusion of balance (laughs) within the fray. But yeah, I think about how can I take what I'm learning from all of these amazing interactions and conversations that I've had with people through the podcast, how can I make that something that that people can, you know, the way that Tim Ferriss has written books about his podcast interviews, I think about the value of that to educational leaders or teachers who might want to sort of pull the main learning pieces out of those interviews. How how amazing would that be to have a project like that where people can kind of access the main learning points and then integrate them into their own practice. So I think that's something for way down the line. And like you said, I think looking at some of the programming around, you know, consulting and and entering the the more corporate oriented world would be a really exciting thing uh, for the future for me. And so, yeah, I I guess I never really close myself off to those opportunities for the future. Yeah, awesome. Well, really excited for those. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for um, your help and your support and inspiration um, and your time here as well, Morgan. It's, um, it's been a true joy. Well, David, thank you. It's been great talking to you. Likewise. Well, thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. 